Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, good morning. Well, you know, um, it's time. So we are in week number six of seven weeks, all right? This is the time, this is the week that many of you, you've got these books, you've gotten behind, and you're about to quit. And I want you to know, don't quit. Don't stop now. Even, look, don't worry about what you've missed. Start today. And if you feel so led to go back and get caught up, absolutely do that. But don't let that stop you today. Start over and finish transformed strong. Because, folks, it's about to get fun. Well, I'm talking about financial health today. And, and, and I just want you all to know if you're visiting today, these messages are programmed out about six months ago. So if you're here and, and you ha- you've already had the thoughts, oh, there it is. You know what? Everywhere I go to church, all they do is talk about giving. I can promise you that's not all I talk about here. All right? Matter of fact, it's been two years since I've uh, talked about this. And so I got two years pent up in me. <laughs> All right, and I'm about to squeeze it out in 35 minutes, which means absolutely nothing. So uh, the good news is this when it comes to the financial health of our church, and that is this. We have got all the money that Crossroads Church needs. Now, I know a bunch of you just went, whoo, <laughs> you know, he ain't going to ask us for money. Yes. The bad news is all that money's in your bank accounts. Some of y'all are going to get that when you get home. <laughs> so here's what I want you to walk away with today when I talk about giving, and that is this. When I'm done, I want you, uh, I want you to understand this, that a lot of you are going to be angry. I got that. I got that one figured out. But at the end of this service, uh, you're not going to be angry at me. You're going to be angry at yourself. And so just uh, uh, bear down. If there's a seatbelt on your chair, buckle it up right now. And um, hang on for the ride. I think that you are going to realize that uh, this is a message we all need to hear uh, every once in a while. And so what I want you to realize is that last month was our best month financially ever in the history of our church since I've been here. And And when I say that, I don't mean just like, you know, we eked it by. No, we, it's like 30% better. All right, and, and so when I tell you that, um, you know, we've got all the money we need, look, we, we serve a God who has way more control and power than you'll ever bring with your checkbook. None of you got a checkbook big enough that can match all the cattle on a thousand hills. If you do, come talk to me because we really need to uh, work on this. Um, so here we've had the best month financially, and folks, it wasn't just one month. Uh, January was one of those months, too. You know, and so it's interesting, um, you know, what God is doing and how he's doing it. And so what I want to share with you today about giving is what I've learned. And what I've learned is this, is that I want to be a river, not a reservoir. I want what God flows into my life and carries life to flow out of our lives into the lives of other people. I want to bless others by how I've been blessed. We have had the opportunity and the privilege over the last two decades to be able to do that, to be a river and not a reservoir. And what I want you to walk away with today is this, that I want you to learn to worship God with your first and trust him with the rest. Worship God with the first and trust him with the rest. Now, um, two years ago, I preached on giving and um, and. I really don't see what you guys give, 
Um, you know, I do see if something deposits at 3 in the morning. I don't know who does it. Um, but I praise God, you know, that uh, I'm awake at 3 in the morning. And No. Um, so, so I don't see all that, but here's, here's what happened. I, I preached on giving two years ago. The very next week, we had the largest one-time offering ever in the history of our church. Matter of fact, um, our goal two years ago was to have a, a financial month where we would bring in $10,000 each month. Now, that was way below our budget needs, but that was, we were growing, and, and, and we had, you, know, you had to have goals that you can reach. And so a $10,000 month was what we were looking for. And the week after I preached on giving, one person wrote a check for more than $10,000. Oh, you know what? I, my head started. I said, Lord, am I not preaching about giving enough? Do I need to do this more often? And that will happen more often? And um, what I found out was the person who wrote that check wasn't even here that Sunday. Didn't even hear the message. And then all that air went. <laughs> so let me share with you seven habits for financial health from God's word. And each one of these habits, if you want to experience financial health, you must do them. These are not optional. These are not, hey, you know, this is not the smorgasbord group of uh, things to do. And um, this will give you financial health. Do these seven things. And I... God's word guarantees that you will experience financial health in a way that you've never have. And the first thing is this, I must trust God as my source and supplier. I must trust God as my source and supplier. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 11 and verse 36 that everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Not every good thing, everything comes from God and exists to give him glory. He doesn't stop there. In Deuteronomy 8.18, he shared this verse. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. How many in here would like to have the ability to produce wealth? All right. God is the one who gives you that ability. And when we start recognize him as our source and supplier, it starts changing the way we look at things. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.10 says these words, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. That's the guy I want to get a hold of, the guy that supplies the seed, because I know what happens when you put seed in the ground. It grows. It produces it bears much fruit. If, uh, if you have brought your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't own a copy of God's Word in the seat in front of you, um, there are uh, Bibles just like this. And if you'll open it up, there's a message in there. And it says that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, to take this one and put your name in it, make it your copy of God's Word, and take it home with you. Because there is nothing more important in the life of a Christian than that we read God's word. And so if um, you grab one of those Bibles, if you turn to page 1184, that will get you right where you need to be. Page 1184. And if you hang out with me long enough, you're going to hear me say these words. In God's economy, it just works. And, and this is where this is taken from in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. See, in God's economy, that's what you get to have, all sufficiency in all things at all times. Do you want to have all sufficiency in all things at all times in your marriage? Do it God's way. Do you want to have um, all sufficiency in all things at all times in your job? Do it God's way. Do you want to have uh, all sufficiency in all things and all times in your relationships? Model them after God, the way that he has uh, put that out to you in, in Scripture. You, do you want to have um, your vehicles to give you all sufficiency in all things at all times? Do it God's way. I remember when we were broke, 
all right? And uh, we were looking at, we had a lease car, bad ideal, all right, bad ideal, and we were coming up at the end of the lease, and so we were praying about the car that, that God wanted us to, to have, and, and so I felt led of the Lord to go to dealerships and look at cars, because, I mean, that's where they're at, and so we started walking along, and we found um, this a Ford Escort station wagon, and we had a family at that time, and, and so it was white, and I remember seeing on the, the decal that it had ice blue interior. I said, God, that's the car. And I started asking specifically because I believe you got to ask specific prayers if you want to get specific answers. And I know that we've got a God who answers specific prayers specifically. And so we started praying and asking God for a white Ford Escort with ice blue interior. I know that God knew which dealership lot it was on when I would pray. But, you know, uh, weeks turned into months, and, and we were probably six months into this, and we were praying regularly about this. And um, it was about time for us to turn the car in, and, and I kind of um, gave up on the white Ford Escort station wagon with ice blue interior. Oh, ye of little faith. Maybe it was oh, he of little faith. And so I quit looking on the, the dealership lots, and, and I started looking in the classifieds. Yeah. And so I started looking, and of course, I was looking for a Ford Escort station wagon. We found one. Um, it seemed to be a price too good to be true. And you know what happens when you see something that seems too good to be true? It is. All right. But I was young and dumb. And, and I saw this, and, and we decided to go away. And we had to drive about 70 minutes to, to get to this uh, vehicle. It was late at night. You never buy a car in the dark. Okay? And, and so here we saw this vehicle, uh, drove it. It seemed, to, you know, you know what? We, we, we've got to get rid of the other car. We need to do something. Um, it's the right price. It was cheap. And so uh, we ended up buying that vehicle. We, I think we paid $1,300 for it, and the blue book value on it was like $6,000. Now, you know something's wrong with that, right? I mean, that guy just didn't, oh, look at this young couple with two kids. You know, let me bless them. No, that's not what it was. He was like, you know, had his fingers crossed behind his back, you know, hoping that I'd buy it. And so we bought it, and I knew that I bought. See, when you buy a used car, you buy someone else's problems. They don't tell you about those. They tell you about problems. They don't tell you about all of the problems. And so they didn't tell me about the problems, and I found out three weeks later that the problem was that the engine was overheating every time I drove it. And so I did a little bit of deduction and realized that it was the radiator. Now, guys, I'd never changed a radiator in my life. Um, and, and so we were poor, didn't have a lot of money. So I, you know, to go get that done, it was like $400. You know, we just used everything we could to, to get this car. I didn't have $400. And so um, I found out that if I went to uh, AutoZone, I could get that radiator for $60. And so I did. And then I took the other one out, and everything seemed to be going good. But, you know, I started finding out things with radiators are different than other things. Like when you put the screws on, it's backwards. I, I didn't know that. And, and it tested my Christianity. I, I might have said things that I shouldn't as a Christian, as I couldn't get this on because I was going righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, and it didn't work that way. Well, ultimately, we got the radiator replaced, and that was the only problem with the vehicle. We had a $6,000 vehicle for $1,300 that we had prayed for for months. And then one day, I was cleaning the vehicle, and I opened up the glove box, and I'm even cleaning in there, and I found the, the little sheet that goes on the window that whoever had bought the vehicle had folded it up and put it in there. I pull it out, and you're not going to believe what I found. Now, I obviously knew it was a white Ford Escort. But guess what color the interior was? Ice blue. You see, 
Um, if you want God to give you all sufficiency in all things at all times, you got to do it God's way. And God's way wasn't the least. God's way was pray and wait. And here I was thinking I was buying a big, bigger problem than um, I wanted, but it was the only problem I could afford. And yet God turned that into a blessing. We had that car for five years, about to sell it to my parents for how much? $1,300, was rear-ended, and the insurance company gave us $5,700 for it. See, that's, in God's economy, that's the way it works. But you got to do it God's way, whether it's your vehicle, your relationships, your job, your marriage, or your money. So let me share with you a little bit more about how is God's way when it comes to our money. Number two, you must keep good records. Now, when it comes to finance, many people live by the average ignorance is bliss. Matter of fact, Jim Rome says, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is poverty. Ignorance is devastation. Ignorance is tragedy. God's word says it this way in Proverbs 27, 23 through 24. Riches can disappear fast. Who got to say amen to that? So watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. All right, who has flocks and herds in here? All right, so yes, one guy. And, and I just want to tell you that um, before being called here to church, one of the things, one of my heart's desires when I retired from the military was to go, move to West Virginia and farm. I wanted Carrie to be the queen of my double wide. <laughs> and, and we were going to have cattle and goats and anything else that we could get on there. And God has been gracious and merciful and has not allowed that to happen. Because Carrie pretty much told me she wasn't going to be the queen of my double wide. She didn't care who sang that song. And our grandkids weren't going to come to West Virginia to see us, so uh, you're going by yourself. No, she didn't say it like that. But um, I read between the lines, all right? So that was a little bit of wisdom and discretion on my part. So now I live vicariously through JT. J JT's got a donkey. JT's got a pig. JT's got a bunch of chickens. Oh, I'm matter of fact, JT's got deers that'll walk up to you when you're sleeping. That, I mean, I live vicariously through Josh Tellison. Thank you. She is. She don't care if I go out there and sleep in the woods and deer come up and lick me. But let me tell you this, not only is ignorance poverty and devastation and tragedy, ignorance is painful. I found this out the hard way. We were living over in O'Fallon, and we lived on this lake, and everyone had fenced their yards, but we didn't want to fence our yard because then we'd lose the view. But I had a German shepherd, and this German shepherd uh, realized that there wasn't a fence there. And so we met almost all of our neighbors because they would bring the dog back to us. Like, hi, here's your dog. Uh, we're John and Melissa. We live across the lake. And Well, one day I just got mad at that dog. And I went to the farm store. And I bought an electric fence. I didn't buy the one for little bunny rabbits. I, I mean, it had a picture of a big old bull on there. I said, you know what? This is what my dog needs. And so I got that, I installed it, I hooked it up, and then uh, the problem, though, was I bought wire that was designed for the one with the bunny rabbits. And I installed it like that, and then with the, with the wire came this tester, and it had a rubber on it. I mean, I'm not a dummy. Well, all the time. And, and so um, I hooked this entire electric fence up. I turned it on, and I could hear it clicking. Now, you're not supposed to, but I could hear it clicking. And, and so I thought it was working, and then I saw the tester, and the tester says, um, stick the tester in the ground and then hang it on the wire, and then there's a little light on there, and it'll flash. All right. My dog was sitting right beside me. I said, hey, touch it. You know, and he's like looking at me, and I, come on, you know, we got to see if it's working. And he just looked at me like I was stupid. And so I went and got the tester, 
and um, I hung the tester on the, the fence, and then I plugged it into the ground. That was backwards, by the way, if you read the instructions. You stick it in the ground, and then you hang it on the fence. But I, I did it backwards because I didn't read instructions. And when I stuck it into the ground, remember I got the, 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 the charger for the bull? When I, and I got the tester for the bunny rabbit? And when I stuck it into the ground, the electric coming through there was so strong, it went right through that rubber into my body. And I still remember that day I was, almost, you know, squatted down. I pushed it into the ground, and I felt something. The Holy Spirit started moving. <laughs> Went up my elbow and, and all the way down to my toe. And then I jumped. If somebody would have had their video camera out, and they, I jumped and I squealed like a little girl. And then when I landed, I looked around to see if anybody was filming, and they weren't. And then I yelled at my dog, you dummy, I needed you to do this. So now I knew my electric fence was working. But see, ignorance is bliss until you stuck it, I stuck it in the ground. You know, I thought I had it all figured out, but I didn't. Well, you know, the, the Bible tells us that, that do not be ignorant when it comes to your money. Know where your money's going. The third principle when it comes to our finances, is that I must give the first 10% back to God. I must give the first 10% back to God. Now, there are a lot of misnomers about tithing and what is tithing. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to um, demonstrate to you all what tithing really is. And so uh, can I have a volunteer from the, the group? I need a volunteer. Yes, young man right here on the end. Come on up here. He's not a volunteer. All right, what's your name? Marion. All right, Marion. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten one dollar bills. Did you count that when I was counting it? Ten one dollar. Let me do it again. One, two, three, four. It's not a magic trick. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Did you see ten there? All right. So I'm going to give you these ten one dollar bills. But before you go, can I have one of those back? All right, and so a tithe is when we give the first one back. So grab that bottom one. And, yeah, thank you. So he just gave me a tithe. The rest is yours. Go ahead and sit down. Hey, it pays to volunteer, folks. <laughs> pays to volunteer. All right, but I want you to understand something. This is in the military, we call it bluff, the bottom line up front. Here's the bottom line up front. God does not punish non-tithers. But he does withhold blessings. Matter of fact, if you read about this in Malachi 3.10, he says, test me and I will rebuke the devourer. How many people got the devourer working in their life? Uh-huh, I know. The devourer, he, he, he gets a hold of your tires on your car. The devourer gets a hold of the engine. The devourer gets under your transmission. The devourer gets a hold of your boss at work. The devourer gets a hold of a lot of things in your life, in your marriage, your relationship, and everything else. And God's word says, test me and see if I don't rebuke that guy and get him out of here. But most of us never, ever test him. And we wonder, does it really work that? Deuteronomy 14.23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And I want you to walk away with this thought today, and that is to worship God with your first and trust him with the rest. See, that's what tithing is all about, is worshiping God with the first and then trusting him with the rest. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says these words, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflowing. Are your barns overflowing right now? If they're not, I got a solution. 
straight from God's word. And the problem is we don't believe it. We don't want to accept it. And, and instead of giving God the first when money gets deposited into our account, we wait until the end of the month and we're like, yeah, you know what? Let's see what God can do with this $5. And I'll tell you what God's going to do with the $5 that's the last money in your account. Absolutely nothing. That's not the way he works. See, it's not about he needs you to give the money. He just wants you to trust him. Ronnie, do you trust me? If so, do this. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 uh, says it this way. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you came in today and you had been told, you know what, that tithing is not biblical. Hey, um, first of all, tithing is biblical, but it is not required. What it says here in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is, each one must give as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or compulsion. So if you feel like this is me twisting your arm, stop. You are, you are free. Don't ever put anything in the offering plate. Matter of fact, I hid the offering plates today just so if you want to give, you got to go find them, all right? Some of you already, I know, found them. I saw you. You see, I've decided to worship God with my first and trust him with the rest. And I just want to tell you, it's been working out pretty good for us. Principle number four, I must save and invest for the future. I must save and invest for the future. All right, I need another volunteer. Come here, Peyton. In his pocket. I'm going to count them out. Will you watch? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. How many? Ten. All right. Ten $5 bills. These are yours. Hey, Peyton, before you go, can I have... The first one I gave you, it's on the bottom. Thank you. <laughs> Have y'all heard of the adage that money talks? Well, most of you, you, you say, yep, and it says goodbye. That's about all it does. It's like, nice to meet you. Well, I came across one thing. It said, money speaks only one language, and it's this. If you save me today, I will save you tomorrow. And most of us don't save. But the Bible tells us that we must save for our future. Steve and Rhonda Garland are on a trip right now. They may be watching online. I'm going to embarrass you both. Sorry. Um, and they are going down to Florida on their way down. They stopped off for a wedding, and they are in the middle of Financial Peace University. And one of the first steps in Financial Peace University is to create an emergency fund. And so they've done that, and they were on this trip, and, and I saw this text message that said, oh, guys, you're not going to believe this. Uh, we were going down. We had a flat or, or something went wrong with one of the tires. They went in to just replace the one tire, and then they realized all of their tires were bad. So they, they, instead of getting one, they got four. I mean, you know, it's a wonderful thing. But what was wonderful about it was there was no pressure because they had an emergency fund, and it took care of that. You know, see, if you save the, today, the money's going to save you tomorrow. Proverbs 21, 20 says it this way, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. That really is gender neutral, folks. Proverbs 13, 11 says it this way, money that comes easily disappears quickly. Thank stimulus checks. Come on. Come on. I'll tell you this. I would, I would, I don't bet. But if I was a bet man, I would bet those that are a regular givers still got their stimulus check. 
And I would bet that those that don't, don't know where it's at. They don't even know what they bought with it. I remember last summer when the first round of stimulus checks uh, went out, and, and, and you got a stimulus check if you filed taxes. And um, I hadn't. We're going on two years. And, and I had filed, I got extension, so I was legal, but I wasn't getting a stimulus check, and neither was Carrie because we hadn't filed our taxes. And I remember we went, we were at the store, and we saw, um, I think it was a 65-inch uh, TV, and it was a, a good price. So we bought it, and all I could think, we kind of laughed as we were taken out of the back of the truck. We're like, you know what? Everyone that's driving by thinks that we got our stimulus check. <laughs> Little do they know. Dire Straits, the great theologians of the 80s, had this uh, in one of their songs, money for nothing and the chicks for free. You know, that's what the world wants us to believe. They want us to believe, they want us to believe that another stimulus check is coming. But here's what I want to tell you. If another stimulus check is coming, it's going. Because you'll spend it. I mean, look at the ludicrous things that were being bought with these stimulus check money. I'm not talking to you. Y'all let you do that. Stuff that you didn't need got bought. You know why? Because money that comes easily disappears quickly. You know, when you are earning money and you're putting it into the bank each paycheck, uh, you'd spend it differently. You wouldn't like, oh, you know what? We need two 65-inch TVs now. One for each wall, you know, so just I, I want to get a crick in my neck. Number five, I must set up a repayment plan to get myself out of debt. I, I need another volunteer. Can I get another volunteer? Somebody's been reading my mail. Come on up here. Tell everybody your name. Kirsten. Kirsten, did something happen last week? What was it? She got baptized. Well, this week you're getting blessed. All right, so count this out with me. Yes. All right, these are yours. Thank you. Hey, before you go. Can I have the first one I gave you? Thank you. I must set up a repayment plan to get myself out of debt. Romans 13.8 says these words, let no debt remain outstanding. We had Christmas in Mississippi almost 20 years ago. Didn't have a lot of money. We were living paycheck to paycheck, tithing, not making the best financial decisions. And as we were about Thanksgiving going into Easter, I had uh, a credit card, and I knew I was getting close to maxing it out. Anybody ever been there? And I didn't want, I just, I, I refused to pull it up. I refused to look at the statements. I refused to call the 800 number and find out. I said, you know what? I'm going to find out when I find out. You know what that meant? I was going to do use it until they said, I'm sorry, sir. I mean, every time I used it, I was just expecting to say, oh, I understand. Thank you. You can put that back. And so um, I started using that credit card. I, and I kept using that credit card. And every time I'd use that credit card and I, and I was waiting for them to tell me, uh, sir, this has got declined, uh, they never said that. All the way up to Christmas. And now I'm thinking, God, thank you so much. I mean, he made it go further. I didn't realize. I was better off financially than I, I thought I was. And then on January 15th, I got the statement. 
I found out I was wrong. I was almost $1,000 overdrawn on that credit card. And folks, when I saw that statement, I got mad. I got on the phone. I called them. And I said, how dare you? They said, well, Mr. Tabor, it was Christmas time and we didn't want. I said, well, I wanted you to. And the lady said, but have no fear. We can extend your limits and you won't be overdrawn anymore. I said, no, we aren't. I got mad and I told Carrie, I said, we're going to pay this thing off. And we started and we paid it off. And then we realized, you know what? We could pay some other things off now. And we started paying other things off. Why? Because um, I let no debt remain outstanding. The sixth principle is this. I must budget my spending. Zig Ziglar says that if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. John Maxwell says a budget is people telling their money what to do. But the reality is that for most, your money is out of control when you are not in control of your money. Speaking of money, I need another volunteer. Hurricane Molly, come on up here. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten twenty dollar bills. Thank you. Thank you very much. Proverbs twenty one five says these words plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Where are you at on that verse? Do you have plenty or are you finding that you don't have enough? Dave Ramsey says that you need to plan out your money on paper and on purpose. On paper is carefully writing it down. And you'll find out that when you are faithful with the little things, God will give you bigger things. I'm sorry, I'll say that. When you are faithful with the little things, God will give you bigger things. Proverbs 21.20 says these words, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Now, that is the Good News Translation. So it it may not be in your translation that way, but if you open up the Good News Translation, Proverbs 21.20, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. You see, stupid people don't have a plan. They have hope. I was stupid on that Christmas. I hoped that they would cut me off when we got there. And many people, they don't have a clue what's in their bank account because they know it ain't much, and they hope that it's just enough to get the coffee at Starbucks. They hope that it's going to cover dinner tonight. They hope that it's going to pay the electric bill. And here's what I want you to understand is you cannot ask God to send you financial blessings when you're unfaithful with the little that you do have. And the truth of the matter is that we live in America and we have a lot more than we realize. But we are so horrible at managing our money and our resources, we feel like we're living in a third world country. And it's just not the case, folks. Dave Ramsey called it the stupid tax. When you go out and you buy something that you can't afford, a leased vehicle for most people, stupid tax. Um, The things that you bought with stimulus that you don't even have anymore, stupid tax. Um, Signing a contract for something that, you know, you don't use beyond the first 30 days, uh, gym memberships, uh, stupid tax. And then you're too embarrassed to call them up and say, hey, I'm, I'm really not coming anymore. And so you pay for it for a year or two. That's what they count on. They, they sell all their memberships in January when you're excited and you're going to do it. And here's the reality. When you get tired of the taste in your mouth that comes from mismanaging your money, you'll start managing your money. When you get tired of living 
like you have nothing, you can start living like you have everything. But for some of us, we're just not tired yet. You know, the, the seventh principle is this. I must enjoy what I have. I must enjoy what I have. Who would love to be in a financial situation where they could be generous with their money? I watched generosity last night. I went to a uh, Dunks Unlimited banquet with Roger and Carla, and at the and I took Landon with me. And me and Landon were walking around, and they had this one. Uh, it was a green tag or green wing, green wing section, and it was all stuff for kids. And so I said, give me three of those tickets because I, I thought of three kids. I thought of Landon. I thought of Abby. And I thought of Daniel. Those were the three that were there. And so I gave it to them. Carla was very wise. She says, hey, have them write their names on the back of those tickets, you know, so that. And anyways, I was just, you know, looking forward to when the green wings was going to happen. And then Roger had been busy that night, and then he comes and sits down beside me, and he sits a stack that thick of tickets. They were all for green wing. That's what generosity looks like. I thought I was being generous. That's what generosity looked like. And you know what? It wasn't just Landon and Abby and Daniel. There was a bunch more kids that came sitting at the tables. Every one of the kids won two prizes. That's what generosity does. How many people would like to live like that where you could just be massively generous with the wealth that God has brought into your life? But you know what? It's hard to be generous when you don't know if you have money to pay the electric bill. It's hard to be generous with someone else when you wonder, you know, is my Netflix account about to get cut off? I need one more volunteer. Come on up here, Ryan. One, two, let me count them. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten fifty dollar bills. Oh, thank you. Let me just tell you something that, that, that I, I, I felt the Lord impressed on my heart this morning, that, that if anybody didn't want to give the one back, that I just stopped. You all didn't know what was in what pockets, right? And some of y'all praying that there's one more pocket. <laughs> Jesus, please tell me there's one more point coming up. I know there's eight points, right? Let me share with you, uh, last month, uh, Carrie and I had come to the gym, and we worked out, and I got my sweat on. And I went home to take a shower and clean myself off because I had some meetings at church, and I went to turn the water on, and it didn't come on. I thought, well, maybe this is just in my shower. So I went to another bathroom, and I tried that shower. The water didn't come on. Now, I'm slow, but I wasn't that slow. And I had realized that uh, we had talked about paying the water bill, and, and so, um, and, and it's a hassle now. You got to, like, go there and, and pay it. But then they, their office hours are crazy, and so let me just say it didn't get paid. Not that the money wasn't in the, it just didn't get paid. And they had sent us a notice, and they said, by this date, we're turning your water off. And, and I said to myself, by that date, we'll have it paid. Now, at any time, we could have gone online and, and paid it and paid a, a service fee. You know, but Carrie is wise with our money. I'm not, as you can see. Was wise with our money and didn't want to pay that service fee, but then we forgot. And the water company didn't. 
And I don't even know what the, it cost us to get it turned back on, but I bet it was more than that convenience fee. You know, it's hard to be generous. You may be sitting in here and you may have that happen this month where your water is going to get cut off, where your electric might get cut off. And you, you just can't even fathom the ability to bless people. You keep checking the news and wondering, is there going to be another stimulus? And the Bible tells us that we must enjoy what we have. 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. And folks, I want you to understand contentment is not the desire to desire nothing, but rather to be happy with what you have. But there's three ways we can easily lose our contentment. Number one is we can fixate on money. Number two is we can get overwhelmed in the moment and not realize that we have a bright future ahead of us. And number three is we can focus on ourselves instead of others around us. Hebrews 13, five says these words, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. There is a myth out there that money is the root of all evil. God's word says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And here's how I'll tell you to know if you're struggling with the love of money, you ain't got it. If you don't have resources to get you through the month, you got a love of money problem. The love of money is what we've got to watch out for. Hebrews 13, five continues and says, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, I'm convinced that we need to worship God first and trust him with the rest. And when God said that I'll never leave you and forsake you, it's easy for me to trust him with the first and count on him to take care of the rest. Matthew 6, 31 and 33 says these words, don't worry, your heavenly father already knows perfectly well what you need. And because my heavenly father knows perfectly well what I need, I can worship God with my first and trust him with the rest. It continues, and he will give it to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. If you will live as God wants you to and worship God with your first and trust him with the rest, you'll find out that he'll take care of all of your needs. He promised it, not Ronnie. And so I'm gonna close with this, three questions that we all answer every week when it comes to giving. Number one is, am I going to give? The last thing a new church member does is give, and the first thing they do when they're ready to leave is stop giving. The statistics are staggering in this. Um, uh, yesterday morning, I got a, a text from uh, some men in the church, and they both recently got a bonus check, and one called the other and said, it's going to the church, and the other said, I was gonna do the same thing with my bonus. That's what gener generous living looks like. That's what putting God first. I got a feeling they're gonna get a lot more bonus checks. And you know what? It might not be bonus checks that have dollar signs behind it. It may be bonus checks in quality of life. It may be bonus checks in the, the devour being rebuked, kicked in the tail, leaves their lives. I don't know what that blessing is going to look like, but I know it's coming. Second question we have to answer is this, can I give more than money? You hear me talk about time, talent, and treasure, and those are three absolute ways that we should be investing in God's kingdom. Two years ago when I preached on giving, there was a young man in our church who was volunteering 20 hours a week, no pay, showing up. Today, he's working full-time, and next month, we're going to ordain him to be a minister of the gospel. That was somebody, when they had nothing, invested his time and his talent. And I, I, I got news for you. Today, the guy's got some treasure. You know, in God's economy, it just doesn't add up, but it works. 
You know, there's a not so young man in our church that volunteers 20 hours a week here at the church and God has blessed him financially and I see when he blesses other people and God blesses him to bless others. Third question. So we either ask this one, am I going to give? Second question that we're going to ask is this, um, can I give more than money, time, talent, treasure? And then the third question is this, how can I increase my giving? This is next level giving. This is those who've experienced God do something incredible in their life. They're like, ooh, I like the way God works. Let's, let's see what you do with this one. Huh? Come on, God. And then the windows of heaven open. Y'all have never seen that happen because you've never done it. Folks, I, I don't doubt God's word. I don't just preach God's word. I live God's word. When it comes to, there's three things to think about. Um, and that is when it comes to giving. And that is what I do, obedience or disobedience. And here's the reality. Um, you never understand before obedience. I know no one in here has one of these children, but, you know, there's kids that have taken a fork and put it in an electrical outlet and got shocked. And they were told by their mom and dad, don't do that. You're going to get shocked. And they didn't believe, they didn't obey, and they got shocked. But guess what they don't do today? They don't stick the fork in the outlet anymore. Now, is it because they obey their mom and dad? No, it's because they learn from personal experience. What mom and dad had nothing to do with the self-correcting behavior. And the same thing is true when it comes to us. Um, our obedience comes before we understand. Once you obey, then the understanding, oh, okay, I got it, God, I'm so sorry. Ah, uh, man, why did it take me 12 months to figure that one out? Please forgive me. Um, I'm ready for the next one. But most will never get. They, they never obey, and so they never get to understand. Second thing is, uh, we ask what I could do. What I could do means sacrifice. I remember when we were in um, Biloxi, Mississippi, I was the chairman of deacons. Our pastor had challenged us in a giving campaign. And I just, you know, felt as a chairman of the deacons, not only was I going to support my pastor, but, but we were going big. And Carrie and I prayed about this. And so the Lord had laid on our heart to write a $1,000 check. Folks, I, we've never written a $1,000 check before at church. Matter of fact, we didn't have the ability to write that and pay bills. We had to pay minimum on everything for seven weeks leading up to that so that we could write that $1,000 check and it actually cash. But we did that. We followed through. The Lord blessed the church in that, but more importantly to Ronnie and Carrie, God blessed us. Our um, net worth went up over $100,000 within the next six months. I think a year and a half later, uh, we moved from that area. We sold our house, and we took a $95,000 check with us. And, and there is no way you can convince me that that wouldn't have happened if we wouldn't have stepped out in faith and wrote a $1,000 check that the Lord had laid on our heart. Now, guys, go back to 2 Corinthians 9. And it says, don't give out of compulsion. So if you at all feel like this message is twisting your arm, stop. God doesn't want that money. Matter of fact, there's a lot of people who write checks and they're bribing God. They think that God, you know, this is what I need this month. It doesn't work that way. See, it's obedience and then the understanding. And then the last thing when it comes to next level giving is what I would do, and that's faith. As you learn to step out in faith, you see God do something incredible. When you see in God's economy, it just works. When you see in God's economy, um, he replaces the car that they're about to repossess with a better one. When you see in God's economy, when you start walking in faith, that God takes things that, that you didn't even believe were in existence, and they happen. So when it comes to giving, here's what I've learned. I want to be a river, not a reservoir.
I want to bless others. Because when I bless others and Carrie and I do this together, we are blessed. Today, Carrie and I gave away many of y'all's house payments. We've given away your car payments. We've given away some of y'all's Amazon monthly charges. <laughs> but we've been blessed that we can do that. This that, that did not put a dent in our finances. I'm glad we can. I'm glad that God called us to Centralia so that we can show people that, you know what, this isn't a little town. This isn't a little church. God has big plans for us. And when we take a step of faith, you know, last year when we invested $100,000 in changing the way our campus looked, you know what, um, I guarantee you, if you would have asked 100 guys who advise churches, uh, uh, you know, now's not a good time to be doing this. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and we don't know what uh, next year looks like. You know, because 2021 may be a lot worse. But we did it. We did it because we believe that this is what God wanted us to do. Last week, we had 200 people in here. We baptized already this year 38. That is not a mistake, folks. That is not an accident. I was talking to a pastor last Sunday evening, and he says, what are you saying to them to get them to go get baptized? I said, I'm not saying anything to them. It's the church members. It's the life groups. It's family members. That's where it's happening. That's why last week we, I, I've been advertising, I gotta confess. I've been saying 18, but it was 17. Thank you. You see, we as a church, if we will worship God with our first and trust God with the rest, he'll take care of the rest. I get this question all the time. But what about that person who's living on a fixed income? Should they tithe? But I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I was them, ah, you better believe it. You be, all I'm getting is $1,000 a month, I'm tithing. Because God will take that 900 and go farther with it than you ever could. And see, you won't understand that until you do it. I heard Josh say it up here a couple weeks ago that, you know, um, it's not easier to tithe when you got money. It's not, folks. It's the same faith that the person who barely has anything coming in uses. And it's interesting that God just says a tithe is one-tenth. It's 10% of the first. Folks, you get to choose. Do you want to see God open up the windows of heaven? Do you want to see God rebuke the devourer for you? Do you want to see God work in your life in a way that he's never worked or not? It's okay. You can watch him work in my life. I'll do this next year. I'll double everything we just gave out. That's the kind of God I serve. Folks, I, I, we're not even blinking. You know, you know what I am? Th I see, I see blessings coming. I see a blessing coming that we can't even. What are, oh man, what are we gonna do with this? I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna go buy a condo in Florida. <laughs> Woo! I heard you, Jesus. Uh, you know, and folks, don't get scared when I talk about a condo in Florida. I'm not going anywhere until God tells me to. Uh, you know, some of y'all. And not you in here in this room, most of you. But when we first got here, um, everybody was scared that all we were doing was using this church as a, a platform to get to a bigger church. Are you kidding me? Man, God gave us a big church. We just got to fill it up. If God would have called me to a storefront church that only holds 20 people, I don't expect God to give us 20 people. But God has put us in a room that can hold 200 people and not think twice, and I expect him to do it. But he expects us to do our part. He expects us to step out in faith. He expects us to invest $100,000 beforehand. It... Nope, nope, you guys can't handle it. 
Folks, there's decision cards there in front of you. And, and I would encourage you that, and on that decision card, there's nothing about giving. But I want to tell you something. Um, those of you that are struggling with this concept of tithing, I would encourage you to go to our church website, crossroadschurch.faith slash challenge. This has been out there for two years. People have done this. And, the, and the, the challenge, if you'll read through it, is that if you'll tithe for 90 days and you don't see the blessings somewhere in those 90 days, our church will write you the check back for the tithe that you've given during those 90 days. Some of you need that, and, and you better take it. Last year, someone did that. If, if I brought that person up here right now, we'd be here another hour. Because God, what God has been doing in that person's life has been nothing short of miraculous. And, and they're almost giddy when they get a gift. Like, oh. Because they are thinking about what's next. Let me tell you something. We have a generous church, an incredibly generous. The sign, the money's all been raised. Now, now, some of y'all have been sitting out there like, when are you going to put that in front of them and tell them and challenge them and get the money? Didn't have to. God took care of that. And in very short order, you're going to start seeing some work done, and you're going to see that old vinyl thing that's wrapped around that thing gone. And then you're going to drive by at 9 o'clock at night and be blinded and like, We have a generous church. We have a church that gives for beds. And then we have a church that has someone who says, hey, if you didn't get enough, call me. I'll fix it. We've got a church that is massively generous when it comes to loving on the ladies from Embrace Grace. Oh, last year, who was here for the baby shower? I'm sorry for the rest of you. Be here. Is it next week? Woo! It's coming. It's coming. You're going to see what extravagant love looks like. Be a part of it. Don't just watch it. Be a part of it. Like, I don't even know him. I don't either. <laughs> that ain't stopping me. I didn't, I didn't know who was going to get what they got today. It didn't stop me. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would plant this truth deep in our hearts that giving is good, giving is good, giving is good. Lord, may we always believe the words of Jesus and that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe you're here this morning and how many of you would say, I would love to give, but I don't feel like I can. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you right now. I would love to be able to give more than what I'm giving. I want to be more generous, and I need my faith increased that I could, I'm able to do this. I, I want to see what you're talking about. I want to see God just open up the windows of heaven in my life. Lord, you see the hands, God. You see the hearts, and God, I ask that you would let each one of them experience what it looks like to lean on the creator of the universe and see him work in their lives. Father, I thank you that even today there will be those who are going to take massive actions and the step of faith, that they're going to trust you, they're going to learn to worship you with their first, and they are going to trust you with the rest. God, I pray that as they test you, that they will see you faithful as they honor you. God, encourage them and minister to them as they take that step of faith. Would you stand and... Uh, look up here God this is so much more than money God's generosity comes in the form of salvation folks 
we're, we're on this earth for about 80 years. Some a little less, some a little more. But when it's all said and done, one day we're, this heart's going to stop beating, these lungs are going to stop breathing, and this soul is going to detach from this body. And, and it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm ready for that day. But until that day comes, I am the representation of Jesus Christ. You are, if you claim the name of Jesus, the representation of Jesus Christ. I know you're not living like it. I know that there's things that, that you are doing that you're embarrassed and, and sometimes you find it hard to walk through those doors because you know who you are. We're about to sing. And the song is this. It talks about surrender. Are you ready to surrender today? Are you ready to surrender your relationships? Are you ready to surrender your marriage? Are you ready to surrender your vehicle, your job, your bank account? Are you ready to really surrender that and give that to God and trust God with it? If so, sing from your heart. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 